The topic for today's episode is exploring inner space. It's got a focus on the dynamics of our inner world. It's part of a series we're doing at Trinity Church about the life and teachings of Jesus. So let's join in with the congregation as we listen to the message. Last week we looked at Jesus coming and sharing the message of the kingdom. We looked at the parable of the sower and how Jesus was going around sowing kingdom seed. His words were like kingdom seed going inside of people's hearts. And he went just everywhere to everybody all around and about. He went to the cities and the countryside, the rich and the poor, the insider, the outsider, those who appeared to be righteous, those who did not, those who were considered to be called and chosen, and those who were outcast. He just went everywhere sowing kingdom seed. And we looked at the fact that when we take his words seriously, when we take that his words like kingdom seed and let them be planted inside of our hearts with a, with a desire to work those things out, to embody those things, to live out the things that he said, to do our best to do that, to allow that to take root inside of our lives, then Jesus says that we produce a harvest. And the call of the church is to be a people who, who embody and demonstrate what it means to be part of God's kingdom on the earth. That's a challenge, but that's a good challenge to be part of. It's a good challenge to take on. Uh, It's absolutely fantastic. So if we're to take Jesus' word seriously, then where do we start with that? And last week we made a little bit of a start by just touching on Jesus' most famous sermon, often known as the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up a hill to bring this sermon, and there were heaps of people there listening to his words, his most famous sermon. And so we just touched very briefly on that to give some examples of what it means to, to, to kind of hear Jesus' words and then begin to embody them and live them out and then thus have a fruitful life. So today I want to carry on with looking a little bit more, just a little bit more, at the Sermon on the Mount. And in particular, the way that Jesus explores and challenges inner space, inner space, the stuff that's inside of us. So man has been pretty amazing, I think, at exploring outer space as a little picture of a guy looking up into the stars. And I always feel slightly awed if it's a beautiful night and you can really see the stars and you go outside and you look up and just imagining the vastness of the universe, I I think, is quite awe-inspiring. And uh, it's a lot lot to explore. But I think man has done an amazing sense of being able to perceive what's out there, getting people up on the moon, even when I was just a boy, getting uh, rocket ships up to Mars and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely fantastic. So I, I think mankind has done an amazing job at exploring outer space as far as we've gone so far. And I guess we're only just getting started. But sometimes we ain't so good at exploring inner space. We can maybe understand astrophysics and get into all sorts of stuff that's out there somewhere, 
But sometimes we're not even very good at understanding ourselves, the things that are going on inside of us. And sometimes I reflect on the fact that we're a little bit like the old Doctor Who spaceship, which is, which is a TARDIS. You know, if you've seen Doctor Who when you were young, or it's still on now if you're older, and uh, they fly through time and space in what looks like an old English phone box. But when you get inside, it's vast, and people usually say, oh, it's bigger on the inside. And I think that we're kind of like that because we're not necessarily huge in terms of the space that we take up, but there's a lot going on inside. And sometimes we don't understand what's going on inside ourselves all that well. And Jesus seemed, as he gives the Sermon on the Mount, particularly interested on stuff that's going on on the inside. He does talk about behavior, of course, as well, but he's interested in what's going on on the inside, because what's going on on the inside of our lives has a way of finding its way out to the outside of our lives and impacts everything else, our behavior, the way we react to things, our relationships, our decision-making, the things we do, the things we say. The entire direction of our lives is shaped by unseen things that are happening on the inside of our lives that sometimes we don't even know that are going on. We're having reactions and making decisions, and we don't even understand what's motivating us sometimes. And Jesus has got an interest on working on the inside of our lives because that impacts everything else. And he starts off this great sermon, if you're looking at it in Matthew 5, he starts off this great sermon by saying stuff like this. He says, you're blessed if, if you've got this sort of stuff on the inside of you. And he just to pick out a few, he says, you're blessed if you're humble. That's, that's an internal quality. Humility is an internal quality of, of, of recognizing that you are not better than others. You not only humble yourself before God, but in your comparisons with other people, you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You don't think you are better because you're smarter or because you've got more money or you live in a better house. You don't think you're better because of that. You, you take a place of humility, recognizing the value of other people. He says, you're blessed if you hunger and thirst for justice. That's an, inner, that's an inner motivation. He says, you're blessed if you're merciful. And he says, you're blessed if your hearts are pure because you will see God. So he's right off the bat at the beginning of the sermon. He's starting to challenge some things about people on the inside. Blessed are those whose heart is pure for they will See God. And he goes on to talk about some of the Old Testament law and some of the oral tradition that was passed down. And many times he would say, you've heard it said, and he would repeat something that was enshrined in their teaching. But he said, but I say to you, and he would bring something new, something different, something fresh. So, for example, in Matthew 5, uh, 21, he says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, I would recommend not going around murdering people. So this is good. He's not disagreeing with this. He's saying, that's, that's good. That's good. Not murdering people. That's a good thing. But he said, uh, if you commit murder, you're going to be subject to judgment. We know that. But he says, but I say, even if you're angry with someone else, then he says, you are subject to judgment. Well, that's you know, rather than just focusing on the judgment thing, what's he really getting at here? He's really getting at what's going on on the inside is really, really important. 
He's saying what's happening on the inside is important. Matthew 5, a little few verses down, 27 to 28, he says, you've heard the commandment that it says you mustn't commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so the sayings that he was relating to were seeking to regulate people's behavior. But Jesus recognizes that for real change to happen, something has to happen at a deeper level inside of your heart and inside of your life. Something on the inside needs to shift and needs to change. Because when stuff shifts and changes on the inside, then it impacts everything else that's on the outside. Whatever's on the inside will find its way onto the outside somewhere. Other. Sometimes we can try to put on a good show, but what happens on the inside finds its way onto the outside. I was hearing yesterday uh, about a, uh, from a, someone who's a tennis umpire, and they were talking about a particularly famous tennis player, and they said, when the camera's on, they're gracious and charming and everything else, but as soon as the cameras are off, then they don't want to know you. It's kind of like it's just behaving for the camera. It's just external show, but they can't keep it up all of the time because it's not in them. It's not in them to be gracious and charming. They don't really want to be. Uh, so whatever's, whatever's on the inside will find its way out sooner or later. And Jesus seems to keep up this theme as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for instance, when it comes to giving or praying, these two things, giving and praying, he says, I want you to do that stuff in secret. I want you to do that in secret where no one else can see you. Why would he want you to give and pray in secret where no one can see you? I think it's a kind of a test for what we're feeling, you know, what's going on on the inside. Because <clears throat> Because if you only pray to, be, to look spiritual and be impressive, then you're only going to pray in front of other people. And if you only want to look impressive by your giving, you'll only give if people know you're giving. But if you're doing it in secret, then there ain't no reason to do it apart from that's something that you really want to do. You really want to pray. You really want to give. You really want to do it because it's something that's an internal value to you. And you'll do that whether there's, anyone, whether there's someone around or whether there's not. So he seems to be wanting to... Get on into the inside of people's lives because when the internal word changes, it begins to transform everything else. He said this, Matthew 7, towards the end of this great sermon. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. People who are trying to, they're one thing on the outside, but they're really another thing on the inside. He says, but you can identify them. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yet just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. In other words, you can, you can keep up putting on a good show for a time, but in the end, what you are on the inside just comes out onto the outside of your life. And so Jesus is interested in transforming our inner worlds, and he, and he doesn't seem to worry about challenging people on the way 
uh, to that end. So, there's a tidying craze going on at the moment that's sweeping the world. It's a tidying craze. Who would have thought that there would be such a craze as tidying? People are getting obsessed with tidying stuff up. That's because so many of us have got so much junk. I mean, we've just got too much junk. And there's this tidying craze, and there's this little Japanese lady called Marie Kondo, and she's inspiring people everywhere to get rid of the junk out of their lives and only to keep what will serve them for their futures and... uh, and, and what sort of sparks some joy, is what she puts it, sparks some joy on the inside of their lives. And so she's inspiring people to tidy up and to keep everything nice and just nice and neat and everything else. And so it's sort of, it's sort of catching on, which is kind of interesting. And some people really struggle. Irene's got me watching these videos. When we're sitting off an evening and we're not sure what to do, she says, oh, shall we, look at, shall we just look at a little bit of tidying on the television, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> This is what, you know, when you get old, there's nothing else to do. You just sit around watching Tidy and stuff. So, so I say, oh, all right then. And so we watch a bit of Netflix, and it's Marie Kondo telling you how to fold your socks in your drawer and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, and I would have to say, I would have to say that my drawers and my wardrobe have never been tidier. They are just outstanding, but I am merely just in training for the Mount Everest of cleaning, which is my garage, which is just a disgraceful tip. And uh, anyway, but I'm building, I'm, build, I'm building up to that. But it feels surprisingly good to be sort of, you know, getting rid of some junk and getting things a little bit organized. It actually feels quite good. There is an, almost an addictive sense to that. It feels good to be doing. And I wonder, I wonder whether there's a sense that we can do that with our internal world as well. We can get rid of some junk out of our lives, stuff that is not serving us for our future, stuff that's not helping us and it's not helping anybody else. You know, we all carry around a little bit of junk on the inside of our lives that is not helpful to us or anyone else. And there are times when a little bit of a spring clean would be a good thing. Get some junk, get it out of my life. It's not going to help me for my future and get some things in there of value that spark a bit of joy and create some life. We all, I think it's a good thing to do that from time to time. Have a bit of an internal spring clean. I recommend it. I think it's good. And look, and sometimes doing that kind of stuff, sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's really hard. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any rules around that. Uh, perhaps it depends on how deeply embedded something is. I don't know. But in either way, it's good to set our heart to throw out some junk and keep the things that are useful or valuable. There was a guy on the program last time I looked, and, and he was cleaning up his garage, and he picked up, and he, and, and he had this real sentimental, emotional attachment to stuff, and he picked up an old letterbox. He had ripped it out because... You know, and put a new letterbox in. So he had a nice new letterbox. But he picked up this old letterbox, which he had just put in the garage, and he didn't want to let it go. It's, you know, it's like it still means something to me. She said, is this going to serve you well for the next season of your life? He looks at it and goes, no, not really. And so out it goes. And I think sometimes there are things in our lives that we just want to hang on to, and they're not really helping us. And it's good to sometimes say, hey, time to... Time to throw that out. Time to, as we do that, we start to feel free. And we fa- start to feel uh, a, a sense of new life and joy because it's out with the old and in with the new. And that's a really cool thing. So, 
how do we how do we do that? How do we how do we make internal change? And I have a I, I worry a little bit because I, I don't want to give some glib five point message on how to have a transformed life and make it just sound like it's just tick the boxes and everything will be changed. Because sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not and sometimes it's more complicated and sometimes it's more simple. But I, so I just want to just throw some thoughts out there today, things that I have personally found helpful in my journey and I hope that you might find some of these things helpful for your journey as well. So firstly, look for signs. Because often we're completely unaware of what is motivating us on the inside. We're just doing stuff and staying stuff, and we don't know what's motivating us. So sometimes you've got to look for signs. You've got to look for, like, indicators, flags, to, to inform us of what might be happening on the inside of our lives. Because we can live our lives very defensively. We don't want to be blamed for anything. We don't want to be in the wrong. We think being in the wrong would be the worst thing that could ever happen to us. We have to be right all the time. And so we justify ourselves and we're defensive and we put up walls and we try to keep away anything that would indicate that we're anything less than perfect. Some of us like that. Some of you might just beat yourself up all the time. Uh, you know, we're all different. But we can be very, very defensive. And so looking for signs that we need a bit of change can be helpful. For instance, you know, you might pick up the Bible and start reading it, and you might get to a passage and you start reacting to it. There's a reaction to it. You know, oh, Jesus is saying, love your enemies. You say, yeah, but I reckon they deserve all that's coming to them. And when it comes to them, man, I'm going to be the happiest guy on the street, you know. And, and, and you're having a kind of an emotional reaction to what Jesus is saying. You're, you're fighting against it. I know we're meant to be generous. I know Jesus says we're meant to be generous. It's more blessed to give than receive. But I reckon God helps those who help themselves. And I'm going to help myself to everything I can get my hands on. It's kind of like, you know, we find ourselves reacting to things that we're reading. And if you're reacting, then it's kind of like, oh, what's it? maybe I do need a little bit of internal change here, a little bit of softening of what's going on on the inside of my life. You, you, you can look at the fruit you're producing, especially things that, that you encounter time and time again. Are you always getting in trouble at work? Have you been married seven times and every relationship ends up the same and it's always their fault? You know, because it might be something to do with you. So are we always, so we look at the fruit that we're producing inside of our lives um, do we overreact to situations? Do we just blow up with bursts, outbursts of anger, overreacting to situations? And everyone's going like, whoo, what? You know, it's like, whoa, that's just crazy overreaction. If we're overreacting, there's something going on on the inside. Uh, sometimes people say things about us that we don't like. People say, oh, you're so critical you're so negative, or whatever it is, and we go, <laughs> and no, nobody wants to be criticized, you know, we, so we put up a defensive wall around and about us, and I have been, uh, you'd be amazed to know, have been criticized from time to time in my life, just like you have as well, and when you get criticized, the temptation is you just want to put up a defensive wall to keep yourself safe, because it's kind of, it can feel hurtful, but the actual fact, I have, sometimes, once I've got over, over the reaction, 
I've looked back and I thought, oh, dang, they've got a bit of a point, you know. They've got a bit of a point. It is true. I do tend to be like this or whatever. And then that becomes helpful. It becomes helpful. And I think that if we know that God loves us and accepts us, and it's helpful too if we're in a community that extends some grace to one another as well. So if you're in a kind of a safe place, God loves, God knows me, and he loves me, and he accepts me, and I've got some friends who love me and accept me, and that's helpful then to starting to let the defenses go down, to bring down the walls a little bit, and go, well, like, maybe I'm not just as perfect as I like to make out, let the defences down, and then that becomes a huge help to making some progress, giving us the courage to face the issues that we need to face, issues that damage both ourselves and other people that we love oftentimes. And we can let the defences down, we can face those issues and get ourselves free and begin to grow in the things of God. So look for some signs. They might be helpful to figure out what's going on on the inside of your life. Make deliberate choices. I really believe that the power of choice is immense. Our choices determine the direction of our lives. And there are times when we need to deliberately choose something. We can deliberately choose. When you feel hurt, you can deliberately choose forgiveness. You can deliberately choose generosity or kindness or integrity. There are things you can choose. And there are times in our lives when we need to deliberately choose what we believe and know is right in order to make some change. And I'm not saying that that thing is just magically instantly change just because you've chosen, if only that were true. But the act of choosing somehow begins the process, or at least it helps the process. It, it's, it, it, it unblocks the, if you've got a dam that's blocking up the river, it's kind of like taking the log jam away and allowing the river to flow. It helps the process continue. And, and uh, so making deliberate choices is is essential in terms of internal change and internal growth in our lives. Three, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the reason I say this is because our lives can be, our lives are filled with all sorts of stuff. We've got all sorts of stuff on the inside of our lives. And, you know, there's an old illustration, and uh, if I was organized enough, I'd be doing it, so you just have to use your imagination. If you've got a glass, yeah, who needs things? You can imagine things. If you've got a glass and it's full of air and you want to get the air out of the glass, how do you get the air out of the glass? You could put a vacuum cleaner in there, but it's, you turn around and it's still full of air. You could try to suck it out, and it's, you turn around and it's still full of air. What do you do? How do you get the air out of the glass? It seems to be a physical impossibility to get that air out of that glass because there's air everywhere. And you only have to just turn around. And so you just can't get rid of it. As soon as you suck it out, it goes in again. But you get a jug of water, pour the water into the glass until it's overflowing and no more air. 
because what you've done is not just tried to get rid of the air, you've replaced it with something else. And sometimes I think that can be a real key in our lives, that instead of just battling the negative things, because sometimes we can get obsessed with what's wrong and try to get what's wrong out of our lives, and sometimes that seems to be just a never-ending battle, and it's a bit, you know, it's a kind of, a, I don't know, a bit depressing when you're just trying to deal with what's wrong all the time. And sometimes I think it can be huge just to turn around and say, instead of just trying to get what's wrong out of my life, which will only just leave a vacuum anywhere, I want to get something good into my life. And when you get something good into your life, it tends to displace the things that are wrong. And that's why Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, because it displaces a whole lot of stuff, and you're not even combating the negative stuff. You're not even trying to deal with that. You're not, even, you're not wrestling with that all the time. You're just getting filled with something else. And Paul says, and the fruit of the Spirit, the result of being filled with the Spirit, in Galatians 5.22, is stuff like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All that stuff is happening as we ask God to fill us with the Spirit. And that is just naturally displacing some of the junk out of our lives. That is a positive thing to do. Number four. I've got five. Deliberately renew your mind. One of the most powerful influences in our lives is a voice that is speaking to us. It's not God's voice. It's not the voice of our friends. It's our own voice inside of our own heads. And it has developed a language that has been created from when we're really, really small. And as we've grown up, the things that have happened to us, the way we've responded to situations, and we have an internal voice that speaks to us. And it can speak to us all sorts of things. It may be helpful and it may be not. And sometimes we need to deliberately, just like we deliberately make choices, we deliberately set ourselves to renew our mind. Our internal voice might tell us that we're accepted and loved. That's helpful. You're accepted and loved. That's awesome. It may tell you you will never amount to anything. You're a totally useless human being and nobody likes you. That's what your internal voice might be telling you or something in between. That's not a helpful message. It's not true. It's not right. It's not helpful. But sometimes these messages are just playing in our heads all the time and we don't scarcely notice it, but it's our message to ourselves. And there are times when we need to renew deliberately renew our mind. Sometimes our internal voice might be telling us that we've been created for a purpose, to serve. That's a helpful message. But our internal voice might be telling us, actually, everybody else has been created to serve us because we are the center of the universe. And uh, everyone is created to keep us happy. Everyone else should regulate their lives to keep us happy. And if they don't regulate their lives to keep us happy, then I'm not happy. And when I'm not happy, no one else deserves to be happy. And that kind of message messes up our relationships. That's not a helpful message. So we can deliberately choose to change that voice, taking truth from God's Word, meditating on it, and allowing it to become part of our lives. 
and you can because I've tried this and so I recommend it that we can deliberately renew our minds. And Paul says in Romans 12 that when you renew your mind, your thought process is what's happening on the inside. The result will be it will transform your life. He says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So changing that internal voice, the way you're thinking, will actually end up transforming all sorts of other things in your life. And it's not so much by getting the negative stuff out, like extracting the air out of the cup. It's actually about receiving truth and putting that in. So that's cool. Last one. Do something right. So if I can feel like sometimes I feel like being stingy, I feel like being critical, I feel like being selfish, these are things inside of me, I'm feeling like that, it can be actually helpful to actually choose to speak and behave and to function in the opposite kind of way, in the opposite spirit, to be generous when you feel like being stingy or to be kind when you feel like being mean or critical to somebody else. You can actually just behave and speak in a different way. So the question then is, hang on, are you just saying that then we should all be hypocrites, that we should all have this internal thing, I really hate you, but we say, I love you. And so uh, am I saying that we should all just be hypocrites? Well, I don't think, I really don't believe this is being hypocritical. You can give, if you don't feel generous, you can say something kind when you're insulting someone without being hypocritical. It would be hypocritical if you're saying, I'm only changing my outward behavior to impress people. I'm only doing it for other people, and I have no intention of changing who I am on the inside. I just want to put on a show. I'm going to be kind. You know, if Grant's grumpy with me, I'll be kind to him. But I'm just putting on a show. When I go home, I go, you know what I mean? It's like, if that's just put it, that is hypocritical. And, I, and Jesus raged against hypocrisy. He hated hypocrisy. He loves integrity and sincerity and, and, and people being real and true. And, and so, so I would never recommend people be hypocritical. But if your inner core value is I actually really believe in being generous. I really believe in being kind. I really believe in encouraging rather than criticizing. I really believe that stuff. But I'm I am also struggling with it. There are times when I don't feel like being like that. There are times when I get irritable. There are times when all sorts of things are impacting me and stuff like that. But if your core values are good and then you are choosing to live out and speak out of your true core values, that is not hypocritical. That is not hypocritical. It's only hypocritical if you've got no intention of changing. But if you're living out of your core values, that is a very helpful and good thing to do, even if you're struggling a little bit over those things. So I recommend living out of your core values. And as you do that, it just gets easier to build that into part of your life. I remember when I was mm, 40, 40-ish, 40 40-ish, 40 I was playing 
in, in uh, a game of, um, I, I was kicking the football around with uh, my son in our front garden, and we were up in the Waikato at the time, and uh, so, you know, he kicked the ball, I ran over to catch it, and I stepped on something on the edge of the driveway and, and, and rolled my ankle, and uh, so I, you know, went to the doctor, and uh, he says, oh, well, the, the, the tendon's ripped away from the ankle, but it's taken big lumps of bone with it, so... He said, so we're going to have to stick that on plaster. So he put it in plaster. I was in pl first time in my life I've ever had anything, and the only time in my life I've ever had anything in plaster. When I was a kid, I always wanted to get plastered up with things. You know what I mean? When you're a kid, you see other kids with broken arms and everyone's signing it and drawing it. Man, I really, I wanted to break something. I broke someone else's arm once, but I never had anything broken myself. And uh, I always wanted to. And now here I am fording something, and I got my leg in plaster. Well, it was a right pain, I'll tell you that. You get a bed and you want to turn over. Man, there's a mission right there because your leg weighs a ton. Oh, there's no fiberglass in those days. It was like, oh, turn over, crush your wife. And um, so it's a pain having um, a leg in plaster. Anyway, so I go back to the doctor, you know, six weeks, a couple of months, whatever it was, and he takes the plaster off my leg. And, oh, that was great. The plaster's off my leg. So I get up to go, and he hands me back my crutches because I was getting around on crutches. I'd have races upstairs with my son with crutches. I'd say, ready, steady, go, and I'd try and beat him up the stairs. And Irene was going like, she's very disapproving of reckless behavior. And uh, so she's trying to stop me, but it's useless. And uh, so, so, so I was getting around on crutches, and he hands me my crutches back, and I said, what do I need those for? I've just had the plaster off. And he goes, I think you might need them. I thought, what's gone wrong with my leg? It had no strength left in it at all. It was absolutely weak. It's because I hadn't used it. I hadn't, I hadn't used it for a couple of months. And so I needed to start to learn to use my leg again and go to physio and get some... And then in time, it started to strengthen up and I got the use back into it again and, and everything was good. And I think it's sometimes like that with stuff that's on the inside of our lives. We just need to start... You know, you've got a core... You know, you, you struggle with, with something, but your core value... It is good. It's based on Jesus' words. And you think, I just got to... But the more you start living like that and speaking like that and acting like that, the easier and the easier it gets. It's just like strengthening the leg so I can walk again. And so I certainly suggest doing what is right, doing something right, is really helpful, especially when it's conforming to your true inner core values, even if you are struggling with that a little bit. And if there is a last, I don't know if I'll put it up there. Oh, I did too. As sometimes it's helpful when you get stuck. And sometimes in life you get stuck. You find it hard to make some progress on something. Sometimes it's good to talk to somebody, uh, you know, a counselor or a life coach or someone who you think has got some wisdom that can help you. Um, sometimes it's really good to talk things through with someone like that. Uh, and thank God that there are people in this world who are, who are helpful for our journeys. Finally, as I said earlier on, I found it very satisfying starting the year, cleaning out some junk, getting ourselves a little bit more organized. We've only just made a little start, really. But I've enjoyed doing that. So I reckon, recommend 2019, consider some internal spring cleaning. If you've got some junk that you've been hanging on to that's not helpful for you and not helpful for anyone else, 
consider getting that and just taking that out and putting that in the emotional trash, putting it out on the road and letting the garbage guy take it away, and getting some good stuff on the inside of your life, embracing some things that are new, new ways of thinking, new ways of seeing things. Take some truth and put that in your life and pray regularly to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you're putting some things of value in your life, in your mind and in your heart and on the inside of your life, as you're putting things of value, then that is going to help you in your journey. It's going to be useful for both yourself and other people. And it is going to spark a bit of joy in your life and others as well. So make plenty of room for the things that Jesus said were important. And the only way sometimes we can make room for those things is by getting rid of some other stuff. It's a challenging but a worthwhile project for the new year.